Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. My name is Tim, and welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. The topic of our podcast today is the man who wouldn't die, the indestructible Michael Malloy. It's an interesting story of a uh, homeless gentleman who was uh, targeted by a group of uh, criminals uh, in an insurance scheme, uh, and they tried uh, to kill him, to collect insurance, and uh, he was not complying. So it's a funny story. It's an interesting story. We'll get into that shortly, but before we do, um, I would like to remind, first of all, remind everyone, this is uh, an adult podcast. We use adult language, so if that's something that you're not into, um, listen to a different podcast. Or Since when are we giving out, and, like, and because just, we get a lot of complaints. And so we won't get complaints about it, and we're not wasting your time. There will be banter. Yeah, and there will be banter, and we'll get off topic. So Yes, if you it, don't like that, we have not wasted in yeah, more than two minutes of your time. Yeah, so please find a podcast that uh, where there's no banter and um, they no, don't— uh, No cursing. No cursing, yeah. and they talk about Disney, Disney things or something. I don't know. Disney things. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but we swear, we get off track, we, we banter— well, hence uh, it's the E. Didn't it, you put E on our thing yeah, on iTunes? Well, some people don't see that. So there should be a B for banter. We too. also, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, we banter a lot. We get off topic, so it's a comedy podcast. So we'll mm-hmm. get you. We'll get you. The, we get the. You get the facts. We'll talk about the story. We get the basic story right, right. But we try to be funny, and sometimes we're not, and we fall short, and people don't like that. So. If this is not your thing, we're telling you up front now, so we don't want to waste any more of your time. If obscenity, if foul language does not bother you, and you like comedy and you like history, then by all means, continue to listen. And we will we probably it. mention boobs once or twice probably during this podcast. At least we have to mention them twice, because mm-hmm. they're one for each boob. <laughs> you can't look. We actually have three out. boobs. We yeah. actually have three boobs on this <laughs> podcast. I know. <laughs> Let me introduce first our, uh, to my left, the very lovely and talented, the queen of mean, the mistress of the macabre, the, I don't know, Satan's dirty little secret, <laughs> pill popping, peanuts loving, Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? I'm okay, Timmy. How are you doing? I am doing well. Are you excited about this topic? 
I just could not be. I peed a little, actually, oh, when you said that we were going to do this. Well, I pee a lot, and I'm going to see a doctor about that, but I'm glad. <laughs> As you should. I'm glad that uh, you're looking forward to this. <laughs> you pee when you're not expecting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do not buy I, I pee a lot unexpectedly. I pee Do every not buy a clit o'clock. <laughs> I pee I'm every saying. morning at uh, 5 a.m., but I don't get off until 7. <laughs> Uh, let me also introduce a man who's not here officially yet. No, who, he's not. Who continues to interrupt brandy time. It, I know. Violate protocol. Right. He does violate. <laughs> Violates a lot of things. Human decency. <laughs> Jeez. Let me introduce the moral compass of our podcast, the man who is uh, known as the face of Bloody Stool. Now, oh, for God's <laughs> sake, will you quit with the Bloody Stool? He's now become known since our last podcast. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> the face of uh, decaying vagina. I do no. He does. <laughs> I mentioned decaying vagina. Just, he it's is, a problem. It well, is. and don't forget his dalliance into homosexuality. Well, yes, he had a very. <laughs> We posted on our Facebook group page, everyone was posting their senior pictures, and Charles posted a picture of him and another guy at his senior at prom. prom. We was getting ready to go pick up our dates. Sure you were. Uh-huh. From and Canada. If we were. From Canada. If we weren't, why are you judging me? I'm not judging you. No. You said dalliance. You're completely okay. We accept your homosexuality, Charles. But he, uh, from we, our last podcast, we talked about Carl Tanzler, the man who slept with a corpse. And we had a lengthy discussion on decaying vagina. And Colonel is, uh, you know. I've set up a foundation. He set up That's a foundation. All. And oh, he's I'm not the face of the foundation. <laughs> he's the face of decaying vagina. <laughs> I'm just, a, I'm just a guy trying to help out the world. That's uh, you all are I am. the very honorable Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? I'm wonderful. Well, no, I'm fucking aggravated today, Timmy. I got my goddamn phone. It doesn't work. Then I tried to switch over phones, and it doesn't work. My touch screen's gone all all hinky on me. I'm sorry. Get a would burner. You, would you like to use my burner? I'm gonna go get a burner. You know what I'm getting? I'm getting a burner. I'm gonna, and I'm not giving nobody my damn telephone no more. All ballers have burner phones. I'm getting a baller phone. Yeah. Look, a we cut brandy phone. time short for that burner. shit. <laughs> a baller <laughs> burner. A baller you don't really have. You didn't really have anything important to say. We'll never know, will we? <laughs> you're just a girl. You're just a girl. Oh. You, you got girl stuff going on. Yeah, you're just here to look pretty and uh, have 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 your boobs out. Uh. <laughs> now that's the most sexist what? thing I ever heard. As an enlightened uh, man, I have to. I have to. Protest. You told me we only need her because she has boobs. I did not say because she has boobs. I said we will mention boobs. Uh, uh-huh. She does have boobs. Uh-huh. She's uh, easy. I, easy. I mean boobs. You have boobs. I do. I do. Almost spectacular boobs. Sometimes. I mean, depending on the bra mm. and the shirt. Some days. Some days are better boob days than others. Well, yeah. that's what you bring to the table. 
I bring, such I, bring I bring the brains and the do art. <laughs> but do you? <laughs> I bring the my research skills, my knowledge, your enunciation, my enunciation. <laughs> <laughs> the colonel brings his no. pedigree, <laughs> <laughs> and you bring boots. So it's a, it's a good balance. All right. Yeah. Before yeah. we get started into this topic, let me in, um, say special thank you to the folks who support our podcast. Um, believe it or not, there's people who actually support this podcast. I know. I love them. I do, too. I love uh, our listeners. And um, we are very pleased that we have Patreon supporters because uh, it keeps us on the air. So f- for those of you who would like to contribute to the show and support the arts... You can do so by visiting patreon.com slash historydweebs, and there you can um, give a little, give a lot, or just a wee tiny bit, Jimmy. A wee tiny just bit. Just a wee tiny bit. Every little bit helps. I want to thank uh, those of you who support the podcast through Patreon. Those include Alicia and Chip, as always, they've been very generous. Jen Moyer, Brandy McBride, has been supporting us for a long time. Annette Petray. Um, Annette, I got your Annette sent me some soap and it's Oh, she sent you soap? Yes. I got some body butter. Oh my lord. Well the thing yeah. is, it was good, right? <laughs> Nobody's pawed at you. No. Let's establish that now, that let me, was let a me just fabrication. You, I got that stuff. I put some first of all, when did you got soap? You didn't get the body butter? He doesn't know what he got. He's talking about you. I I got soap and I got some other stuff that I ordered. However, <laughs> My mail slot where I work, Mm -hmm. where I live, not where I work, where I live, it's very small. Mm -hmm. And the fucking postal guy puts his box in there. (laughs) There's no way I can get the son of a bitch out. I'm like, it's like two degrees yesterday. I'm out there in like 20 minutes trying to open this box so I can kind of rip it apart and get it out. But I still couldn't do it. So I have to see my management, um, my uh, man. the, yeah, the management office later, just if I can get it out. But I'm looking forward to getting my soap. It's, uh... I know, I've got more, I know, I've got more problems. I mean, than Jay-Z. Well, let me I just know. tell you, I got yeah. mine. And uh, I opened it up, and Renee said, oh, that smells really good. And uh, and it's this, it's this cream, body butter. It's body butter. And it is so just, it's like thick but creamy. Yeah. Were you basking you know? in it? Huh? Were you basking in it? Basking? Basking. Sure. Oh, I, I, and, you know, I, I had, I didn't, I wasn't going anywhere. I figured the rest of the night. So I just put a little bit on my wrists and on my arms and, mm-hmm. you know, just on my hands just so I could smell. And then she, you know. She didn't do that at all. She was like. She didn't. It I can was like, tell you, know, you she you didn't. You ever see the cartoon Pepe Le Pew? She was Pepe like Pepe Le Pew, Le Pew chasing so, me all over the house. She's she was not like that. She was all she over was like you. that. Yeah, and then I finally a... told her, I was like, I got to go to the grocery store. I got stuff we got to get. You're going to have to just tone it down. Well, put see, it in that's the what you get. This is, so, um, didn't happen. We would encourage you to check out uh, Obsessively Calm. That's uh-huh. the name of it? Obsessively. Uh, Obsessively Calm. Uh, she's got a lot of great products. And uh, check out, she's on our, um, if you join our Facebook page the, uh, group, History Dweeves, the podcast, and Ed is on there, and uh, we'll get you connected with her if you want some really cool products like that, soap and stuff, and body And if you listen to the show and you provide a service to the public or a product, 
feel free to post it on the page. Absolutely. I know Jamie Tarantino does uh, uh, drawings. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, she's she's very good. photographs into drawings. I wish some hookers would come on our page. You never know. uh, I would like to also thank, back to our um, Patreon supporters, Lise over in Norway. Lise, thank you very much. Leslie Hagar, thank you, Leslie. Very generous. Amber Scoville, thank you, Amber. Jahara, who I'm sorry, your Miami Dolphins lost yesterday, but uh, they had a great year. Thank you, Jahara. Andrew Happ, thank you, Andrew, for your support. Uh, of course, Charlie and Allie from the Insight Podcast. They support the show. Please check out their podcast. It's called Insight. It's a great podcast. Amber Trevino, thank you, Amber. Uh, Jason Dykes, um, thank you very much, Jason, for your support. Mandy Swanson, uh, Jennifer Siemens, and her son Hunter, as well as her mother Linda, thank you very much. Very lovely Bridget Clavey. Thank you, Bridget, for your support. Cindy Liu, of course, has been with us a long time. Thank you, Cindy. Heather Poole. Thank you, Heather. And then, of course, Rudy the Wonder Dog. Thank you all for your support. And if you would like to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash historydweebs, and um, you can find out more information there. Thank you all very much. All right, you guys ready to talk about this story? Let's go, Timmy. I'm ready. I'm ready to jump right into this story. All right. The man who wouldn't die. The indestructible Michael Malloy. It really sounds like we should be talking about you, Chuck. Well. Really. There's been a lot of plots against me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're sort of like Rasputin. <laughs> mm-hmm. In these days, they will, have my, <clears throat> they will have my member in a jar showing it to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? It'd be a very small jar. It'd be a big jar. Like too. a thumb, <laughs> uh, thimble. It'd be a mason jar. And it'll be folded over. It'll be Tupperware. <laughs> In 1932, at the height of the Great Depression, you remember the Great Depression, girl? I do. It was a terrible, terrible time. Almost lost my entire fortune. <laughs> You know, uh, Groucho Marx lost uh, his fortune in the... Uh, Did he? Yeah, he regained it. But, I mean, he regained a lot of it, but he lost he lost a bundle during the Depression. 1932, at the height of the Depression, a group of friends in New York City decided to overcome their financial woes by taking out multiple life insurance policy on a local drunk. The plan was to kill the poor elderly fellow... <laughs> What's so funny about that? <laughs> and collect the big payout. Uh, the problem became that their victim, a homeless alcoholic, re- just refused to die. The crime became known as the Murder Trust, and uh, all of its participants would end up uh, arrested and uh, convicted of murder. So let's talk about this. We're going to talk about Michael Malloy. He was the intended victim. Michael Malloy was born on June 3, 1873, in County Dungal. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Dungal in Ireland. Colonel, you're, you have Irish roots. Do you I know that? I do have, but yeah, mine are all from Kilkenny. Okay. Well, those, this was, ba- those bastards. They killed Kenny. 
And these these folks are. This is it's just a big area. This county is a big area. I looked it up on the map. Um. He was the youngest of nine children born to his parents, Oliver and Mary Malloy. His father was a brick mason and worked hard to support his large family. You have nine kids, man. You've got to be working your ass off. When he wasn't working, Oliver could be found at the local pub drinking whiskey. Like there every, you go. every good Irishman should be, right? Michael's uh, childhood was a happy one but it was full of hardships. The family was poor. Uh, Michael's parents had barely survived the great potato phantom of the mid-1800s. So this happened. The great potato phantom? Yeah, this happened. <laughs> yeah. Was it a famine? <laughs> it was a phantom. No, yeah. it was a phantom potato. Was it? Yeah, the great potato phantom. I, I don't remember. Like Mothman? Did you send Scooby after it? <laughs> yeah, it I'm so just confused. kind of looked like uh, Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> yeah. I'm so Only confused. Only scarier. Did you ever take Mr. Potato Head and do inappropriate things with it? <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> How come I'm not surprised at that? I did. We used to take Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. And uh, they, have put, they have to put, put in there like their mouth and their eyes. Yeah, and you know what, what though? Except yeah, it was a, it was the a only thing toy. difference between them was I know what Mr. Potato Head is. <laughs> Mrs. Potato Head well, had some of our younger listeners might not know. Yeah, and she had big lips. She didn't have boobs. She no. I mean, she there was no potato vagina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brandy. Why is that? Yeah. How do we know she wasn't just That's a our question for you cross-dressing <laughs> Mister Potato Head? I think she was. I don't know. Well, I never thought about it. She was a spud without a. It, you know, Ken and Barbie. What you got between their legs? There wasn't oh. no difference there either. No. Hmm. You know, Renee has a nativity scene. And I, uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I like to, I like to put the uh, wise men in compromising position with the with the farm animals around there. All right. Especially the camels. All right. Don't talk anymore. <laughs> um, so, the fa- his his family had survived, and that and the uh, the county Dungal, where this is. Or, I know I'm pronouncing this wrong. So some of our uh, British or some of our Irish um, listeners can straighten me out, was one of the worst affected parts of Ireland during the Great Phantom, Phantom <laughs> of the 1840s. Famine. Yeah, it famine. some scary shit over there. <laughs> That's right. I'm t- well, I mean, if you run shit up would a day fly off, shit would fly off the counters. <laughs> French fries would appear from nowhere. <laughs> Have you ever lived through a phantom before? <laughs> Not a potato phantom. No, I, I had a carrot ghost come after me once. Ooh, those are the worst. <laughs> yeah, but not a potato phantom. <laughs> anyway, his parents survived that, okay? It was sturdy people. <laughs> they were hardy stock. They were. <laughs> Vast numbers of the people in that county immigrated during the, the phantom. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but having no opportunities to leave the Malloy State in Ireland. You know, the, uh, maybe, now we don't typically do it, but I know Allie and Charlie do a lot of unsolved things. Maybe they could do the great <laughs> Irish potato phantom. Potato phantom. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Uh, I think so. I think that's, I think it's a case guys, they need to solve. Just wait till you guys are up. Potato chips flying everywhere. 
They look for better opportunities fucking for horrible. their children. <laughs> oh, the horror. This is sad. This is kind of... Oh, the humanity. <laughs> in 1888. Well, you know, if all you've got to eat is potatoes and all of a sudden there's no goddamn potatoes, life's pretty rough. It's a phantom. <laughs> you eating phantom stew. <laughs> yeah, you are. Which I figured that out when my mom served it about the third time. Yeah. It's just broth. It's just water and rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. In 1888, when Michael was 15 years old, scarlet fever spread throughout the county. Oh, no. His mother and two sisters succumbed. That means they died, Brandy. Uh, please. Out to the field. Potato phantom. Let's not. <laughs> Sometimes we have to dumb it down for her. Yeah, know, yeah. Gotta... let's not. <laughs> so his mother and two sisters died from the fever. Now, Michael also was very ill from scarlet fever, and he was at death's door, Brandy. <laughs> I didn't know Did that. the potato phantom meet him there? <laughs> Yeah. The local priest. The grim, the grim tater. <laughs> the local priest administered the last rites on Michael and waited for him to die. Poor Michael. This Michael Malloy. Michael Malloy, 15 years old. He's already lost his mother and two sisters to scarlet fever, and now he is at death's door. He, his I father. He, he was at the priest's door. His father, Oliver, who had already buried his wife and two daughters, was in the woodshed working. <laughs> it sounds bad. He was in the woodshed working on Michael's coffin. When, oh. <laughs> well, I mean, that it's was preemptive. It, well, I mean, you know, you could see he could see which way the wind was blowing. No, clearly not. Uh, when all of a sudden Michael popped up in, popped in to see what he was doing. <laughs> he said, "Get the fuck Sup. out of here." Get the it was fuck a potato phantom. That scarlet fever. It was potato phantom. <laughs> That's what I'd be taking. Michael pops in and says, "Sup." <laughs> Oliver was shocked. Not only was his, not only Michael was all, all out of his deathbed, but he was also looking healthy as ever. <laughs> there you go. Although Oliver was relieved, his youngest son had uh, amaz- amazingly survived this illness. He took the loss of his wife and two daughters very hard and began spending more and more time drinking at the local pub. Michael dropped out of school and took a job on the docks to help support his family. In 1890, when Michael was 17 years old, he was helping to unload crates of coal on a ship when the ropes gave way and the crate crashed onto the deck. That sucks. Ooh. The two-ton crate landed right on top of Michael. It's <laughs> <laughs> not funny at all. This some bitch like the Roadrunner. Everyone on the dock rushed to his aid, certain that he was dead. But a few minutes later, Michael emerged from the rubble, <laughs> covered in coal dust. Just dust himself off and move the <laughs> yeah. fuck on. Now, he suffered some minor bruises and lacerations, but besides that, he was just fine and returned to work the next day. So he's a tough guy, a tough kid. Uh, Michael's father was stricken with tuberculosis in early 1891. The consumption? The consumption. Oh, no, not, not the, the consumption. consumption. Michael, being a loyal son, stayed by his father's side throughout his illness. Despite uh, Michael's uh, attention and prayers, his father died in early fall of 1891. 
His father's uh, funeral was held on a cold, gray November day. His father was buried in the coffin that he had built for Michael when Michael had scarlet fever. Teach his ass. Well, mm-hmm. Okay, you know he didn't go to waste. At least anyway. Michael didn't have to build one. While at the uh, while at the funeral, stricken with grief in the cold, brisk, damp air, Colonel Michael began to cough. Oh no, he was getting a consumption too, Timmy. While the priest was praying over his father's coffin. Michael glanced down into his handkerchief oh, and, and spotted droplets of, the blo- droplets of blood. Hmm. Still grieving his father's death, Michael visited the town doctor the next day, and he, confirms My- he confirmed Michael's worst fear. Michael had contracted tuberculosis, which is oh, the... The consumption. The consumption. Um, the doctor suggested that the 19-year-old Michael get his affairs in order. So, it was, you know, back then, Colonel, it wasn't, it was lights out usually when you got this. Yeah, but he didn't have no affairs to put in order. What was he going to do? Well, I mean, I mean, he had younger brothers. He and had sisters. affairs. Yeah, he had brothers and sisters, and no, he had to build a coffin. Well, he did have to build a coffin. And that's a bitch because you're all weak with the consumption. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, now, my, at this time, Michael had been engaged to a local girl named Kathleen. She's probably redhead, Kern. Oh, I'm sure she was. And I, you know what? And I bet she bitched at him for getting a consumption. She was right. They had been courting for a year, and the plan was for them to get married and start a family the following year. But now, due to his illness, Michael called off the wedding. Uh... The couple was heartbroken, but Michael did not want uh, Kathleen to become a widowed bride. Kathleen insisted on sticking by him, but Michael did not want to risk Kathleen's health by her catching the consumption like he had from his father. So he's honorable, Colonel. You can you can respect that. Now, Michael, to protect his family, Michael isolated himself in a small one-room house near the sea to spend out the final days of his short life. Each day, when he was well enough, he would take a small boat out to sea and catch fish to eat. There were many days, though, when he could not get out of bed, and he just waited around to die, basically. He was waiting for the knock on the door from the potato phantom. The grim That's right. Reaper. Well, uh, days turned into weeks, and weeks turned into months. <laughs> And it appeared that he might not have the consumption. Although there was times when Michael was very sick and weak, he slowly started to feel stronger. After three months of isolation, feeling better, Michael walked into the village uh, once again to visit the town doctor. People who saw him walk into town... Dude, probably went the other fucking way. (laughs) (laughs) ...thought that they were looking at a ghost. Everyone had just assumed that he went somewhere and died. People kind of assume that about me sometimes, too. Oh, uh, no, that's more hopeful. <laughs> we yeah. assume that about you every weekend. <laughs> You're surprised. We do, yeah. actually. Every surprised. Monday we see you, we're kind of surprised by it. <laughs> Damn. You thought I'd be taken out by the weekend. His doctor was astonished that after, once again, he exa- when examining Michael, he found that he was completely disease-free, Colonel. Yep. He had somehow miraculously defeated 
The consumption. It's the fish. You got to eat a lot of fish when you got the consumption, Timmy. Do you really? It's got a lot of mercury in it. Mm-hmm. And Cures that the defeats the consumption. It does. Michael, now ecstatic, rushed to Kathleen's home to share the great news with the love of his life, only to learn that Kathleen, thinking that Michael had, was gone forever, had gotten married to someone else and moved to London. Mm. Oh, that redheaded whore. Yeah, well. You, you know what? She that, didn't know. I mean, she could have waited. Well, she could have waited. If it was true love, she would have waited. Well, you know, you, you, you didn't live long back in those days. You couldn't, you know, you, could, you, had, you know, you had to jump on any opportunity you can. Well, she was probably short and frumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know that. Heartbroken, uh, Michael went back to work on the docks, vowing never to marry, vowing never, never to marry, and he never would. Randy, you want to pick up? Michael Malloy's story from there. So he'll never marry because he didn't die. He will never marry because his heart was broken. Oh, jeez. Well, maybe he'll have a vision. Let's see if his lux gets better here. I don't think it does, but all right. In 1897, when Michael was 24, a major fire broke out on the docks. Four people died and a hundred head of cattle also perished. That's a lot of beef. Yep. Now they have cow phantoms. (laughs) <laughs> Michael was Michael was badly burned in the blaze, but despite suffering third-degree burns over 90% of his body, he survived. Third-degree burns over 90% of his body. Yep. What if his junk was protected? Uh, well, that's what I'm wondering because <clears throat> would the would the now just I, I just want a woman's perspective on this. That's why he's I, asking you, Brandy. <clears throat> yeah. If a guy had some burn-up junk, but it still worked, you know, it was still able to solidify it. But there was some scar tissue. But there was scar tissue. Would you consider the scar tissue ribbed for her pleasure? See, it's a stupid question. No, it's I, mean, I refuse it's a to answer that question. stupid question. Well, well let, stupid let, question. retract that question. Let, let me See, let me pose one. <laughs> he even said it was a stupid question. Would you would you still be open to? Fornication with the young man of a burnt penis. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing worse than a burnt penis, girl. A burnt wiener is would you, just a bad scene. Would you take a smoked Woody? <laughs> you know, the colonel is the face of burnt penises. <laughs> How am I the face of that? I'm not. I can't be the face and of everything. Vagina. Yeah. Decay. Vagina. <laughs> Whatever. Well, there's a difference between rotten vagina and decay. It's subtle. It's a subtle difference. You can fix rotten vagina. But there is a line. There is a line. All right. So Michael survived. In early 1900, Michael had an uncle who was immigrating to the United States. Michael wanted to follow but was afraid of the fact that he had been earlier diagnosed with TB, and he was afraid that would prevent him from passing through U.S. immigration. You bet it would. Well, if he comes up through Mexico, probably not. Well, mm. you, you, yeah, you but know, he's they, get past that wall. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> but you know, the only way TB would affect him is he can't run as fast. <laughs> yes. My ex-father-in-law had T- he had TB when he was younger, and um, they, they immigrated from um, Cambodia, and it almost kept them out. So you know, and this was in the '70s, so this is when tuberculosis was a m- much bigger problem. So I could see that keeping him out. Well, my stepdad lived down in uh, now. This is a true story. My stepdad lived down in the mountains of Tennessee. He lost his older brother, his dad, uh, his sister, 
His mom got the consumption. They put him in an orphanage. He got the consumption. They sent him up here. You know, Dunham. Yeah. Uh, he used to be in the asylum. Sanitarium. Sanitarium. for. He spent 18 months in there. My dad lied to get uh, he lied about his age to get into the army mm-hmm. and, and they did a um, they did in those they did they did chest mm-hmm. x-rays and they found a spot and oh, they, they thought did. sure he had a uh-huh, TB and they weren't going to let him in and they sent him to the hospital but turned out it was just a bad now see when I was a kid I had a, a reaction to all the TB shots uh-huh. they would give you and then every time I'd have to go get chest x-rays and and it turns out that I was People in my family had had TB, and I've been exposed to it, so I had the. We, I, we, I, I got used the to immunity work, to. I used to work in a building that was also on a different side of the building was a TB clinic. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I was always worried about getting a consumption. It's amazing. Of course you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, in let's see, so. Proceed. Uh, but his father's brother, who was a successful merchant, was able to pull some strings, and in March 1900. Michael Malloy arrived in Ellis Island. Michael quickly. Connected. Ellis Island is a place where immigrants go to when they first arrive to the United States. Brandy. Mm-hmm. They used to let people in through there. It's by the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Pota- Give me your warm, potato fan. <laughs> Give me your tattered, your uh-huh. your ugly, your broken down, frumpy, grumpy. Yeah, frumpy. frumpy. Michael quickly, Burnt penis. <laughs> Michael quickly connected with the Irish immigrants in Lower Manhattan. He also quickly found work at the docks, earning enough to feed himself and pay his uncle back for the cost of his voyage. Michael made many friends on the dock. There were people from many different backgrounds, immigrants from Ireland, Germany, and Italy, and Michael got along with them all. So he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. When he wasn't working, he could be found at the local saloon drinking with his buddies. Yeah, good Irishman. His friends were anxious for Michael to take a bride. What the fuck do they care? Uh, well, when, because they're miserable. They want everyone yeah. else miserable. When they tried to introduce him to women, <clears throat> Michael would make some excuse. He kept a picture of his beloved Kathleen in the timepiece he always carried. Michael started to miss his home in Ireland. Although he had a good job and many new friends in New York, he really longed for the land of his youth. In 1908, Michael was offered the opportunity of a lifetime. A good friend named Tommy had offered Michael a chance to return to Ireland and work as a shipbuilder for Harland and Wolf in Belfast. The company was in the process of building the greatest passenger liner ever built for the most famous passenger shipping company in the world, the White Star Line. Oh, you know where this is that going? That would be... Yeah, go ahead, Brandy. The Titanic. Yeah. It's the, probably in here somewhere. The White Star Line. Yeah, no. I know. It comes I fucking know. I've seen the movie... I haven't seen the movie. I've well, that's your fault. Uh, let's see. What the, the project fuck do I would want last. What the see the movie for? I know how it ends. The project would last. Well, she didn't make room on the door for for the boy to get on, for Jack to get on, and then Jack drowned, and all because she was selfish about fucking hoarding the door. Well, it was bullshit. She was a redhead, Colonel. She was a redhead, and she was gonna freeze to death. And he was gonna freeze to death anyway. Would you bang? He Rose? might not have if hmm? if he'd let Would him you on the door. Rose? Was that Mini Mini Driver? No, it was Kate Winslet. Oh yeah, I bang. I mean, if she'd have just scooted her ass over a little bit, right. he, she, right. he could have fit on the door. Continue. Oh, yeah, but they would have still froze to death. All right, well, so he gets, this maybe, oppor- he gets this opportunity. Maybe, but you know what? If she'd have just moved over a little bit, 
He could have got on there with it. Then they could have froze together. As it turns out, he freezes in the water, and then she prizes his, like, fucking cold, dead kung fu grip <laughs> off, and he sinks to the bottom I of mean, the sea. I mean, what was he well, banged her. bullshit. He banged her in the car, in the car on the ship. After he banged her, I would have let her go. Yeah, she was, I would change my number, <laughs> blocked her. He seen what was coming. He'd rather drown. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, the project would last three years, and the best part, once the ship was complete, Michael would be hired to work as a laborer on the deck. That meant an opportunity to travel the world, and it was perfect for a young single man like Michael. Two days before Michael was set to leave for Belfast with his friend Tommy, Michael was diagnosed with typhoid. <laughs> oh, no, not the typhoid. He's Sick gone. in bed with a fever of 103, Michael sent word to his friend Tommy that he was unable to make the long voyage, and even if he could, his illness would spread and kill the whole crew by the time they made it to Belfast. Once again, Michael waited to die. Only this time, his fever subsided in three days. Again, he regained his strength, and after a quick doctor's visit confirmed he was no longer contagious, Michael went back to work at the docks. Reminds Michael, me of the time I had strep throat. It doesn't. And I just laid in bed, Timmy, waiting to die. You had a man cold? It was, no, it was serious. Because you're a puss. I had strep throat, and I broke out in a rash all over my body. Yeah, it happens. With a strep throat? Yes. It, and it was, it was, uh. You're, you know, you're not the first or only person to get strep throat. But it was four days before I was getting married. Little kids get strep throat, and they survive. I laid in bed. I really was waiting for the for the Grim Reaper to come and take for the me. the Lord to come and take you, sure. Um, I made my peace with myself. I put my affairs in order, and uh, I get better. I'm like him. I had the same, I felt the same way when I had mono. Mono is fucking, mono would feel like you want to die. It's awful. All right, so Michael, Michael went back to work. I had a sinus infection, and it was really bad, too. I had cramps one time. It was a bitch. Oh, now see, why you got to bring vulgarity into this, devil? No wonder people, mm -hmm. people think this is a vulgar. Yeah. Had, That's why cramps. we got the E all of a sudden. We got the explicit because you got to talk about your vaginal problems. I meant disorders. stomach cramps, but okay, whatever, you <laughs> dirty oh, mind. Oh, stomach cramps. Now you're talking about your fecal disorder no. matters. <laughs> Doesn't matter what kind of cramps. I said cramps. Shut well, up. it's either your colon or your vagina. Either way, we're not interested. Please Yeah, on. just please continue. Oh, but please tell me about the sinus infection that you got three days ago. <laughs> oh, or please tell me about the time you looked on WebMD and were convinced that you were getting ready to drop dead of, um, what was it, like leprosy or well, Ebola or well, SARS? No, I had this uh, had sinus, SARS, right? I had sinus infection. Oh, no. What was that? Zika. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Zika. Yeah. That explains your encephalopathy. Well, you've been you've been in trouble if I had Zika because you probably got it. Mm-hmm. He'd have passed it. it explains on to your you. little shrunken head and your <laughs> <laughs> Zika's some serious shit. No. Well, I know. That's why so I didn't sinus, go to the Olympics. So is sinus infection. I did not go to I turn I told him, no, I'm not playing on that volleyball team this year. <laughs> they wanted me to play on the men's volleyball team. I told them no. No, they didn't. And then I was gonna, I was supposed to do the three meter diving. You're a little old. You're a little <laughs> long in the tooth to be thinking about the Olympics. Wow, that's hurtful. Yeah. Michael wrote his friend Tommy to let him know that he was now well enough to travel, but they already had all of the labor that they needed. But Tommy was able to pull some strings and get Michael a job with the White Star Line, as an able seaman. Well, it's better than a disabled seaman. Yeah. Once the new, once the grand new ship was complete, there was no need to make, for Michael to make an expensive journey to Liverpool. The new ship's home port, 
since the ship's maiden voyage would be to New York. Tommy instructed Michael just to sit tight and report to the chief purser once the ship arrived in New York. You ever been a, you ever known a purser? Uh, no. Isn't Nancy a purser? Uh, she might be a purser. Yeah. yeah. On April 10th, 1912, do you know what a purser is? Yeah, someone carries a purse. Yes, mm-hmm. sure. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. On April 10th, 1912, that ship, the RMS Titanic, sank in the North Atlantic on its maiden voyage to New York. All right, so he dodged another bullet. Yeah, luckily than, Tommy wasn't on that. More than 1,500 people died in the tragedy, including able seamen and Michael's friend named William Thomas Tommy Jones. Yeah, I thought I was making sure that wasn't bullshit, so I looked up. You can look up a roster mm-hmm. of people. When he was on there, he was listed as one of the guys that died. Michael's, you know, seamen are one of the first things to go down. Well, they, you know, the thing about semen is <laughs> they're awfully salty and in a bad mood. Uh, let's see. Michael spent the next several years working on the docks in New York. His spare time was spent drinking with friends. He never married. In 1923, Michael took a job with the New York Fire Department. He worked, well, since he was already burnt up. NYFD. Yes. He probably had one of those caps. Mm-hmm. He worked as a fireman for six years before being injured on the job and forced to retire in 1929. What happened in 1929, Colonel? Great, the crash of the stock market, Wall Street, Black Monday. Mm -hmm. Unable to work. Black Friday, was it? What was it? Black Friday. Black Friday? No, I think it's Black Monday. Was it Monday? Was it Black Friday? Is the Friday after Thanksgiving? Yeah, that's when you buy stuff. Yeah. Uh, In 1929, the shark, this, oh, crap, sorry, missed a sentence. Unable to work, and with just a small pension coming in, Michael started to drink more heavily. In 1929, the stock, mark, the stock market crashed and unemployment in the United States reached 25%. So he was migrating between flop houses. He spent most of his time drinking to ease the pain of the back injury he suffered as a fireman and from all those years lifting heavy loads on the dock. In 1932, at the age of 59, Michael Malloy was just another homeless wino on the streets of New York. Wino? Why not? That's a little harsh. That's what I'm, re- I'm reading what's written. No, you don't need to editorialize about the people now. He's just a homeless man. He was unfortunate. Why? I mean, he was just one of the millions caught up in the Great Depression. You know, when you think about 25% unemployment, that means three out of four people had jobs. Well, but, you know, again, that's how you count unemployment. I would have mocked so people. Does it if count? I had a job, I would have been going to, well, like, what you doing? You no, I was, reading this, I was reading this book on the Great Depression, and um, this guy who ran a haberdashery, you know, sold men's clothes on, mm-hmm. on in, New, in Manhattan. He haberdashery said, is like hats and no, I already fine knew. articles for yeah, men. Yeah, I already well, knew that. anyway, okay. and he, when the stock market crashed, he, they, he was uh, – his customers were then, and he was joking. He was saying, oh, all these big shots now on Wall Street. You know, they, they mm-hmm. were always big shots. Now now they're they're all out of work. Mm-hmm. Well, two months later. His haberdashery closed because yeah, his customers it, were exactly. the big streets on Wall Street. Yeah, so. All right, so he's another homeless wino because Timmy makes judgment calls. With Prohibition now in place, what little money Michael had was spent often on dangerous homemade hooch. Or his favorite speakeasy in the Lower East Side, a bar called Marino's. Yeah, because back in the day, the I think you get into this, but probably, probably I won't say. Anything. Mm. I would have been a gangster. But you know that a lot of that hooch was Damn, bad. Feels good to a be a gangster. That, a lot of that whiskey was bad that they were selling. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The bathtub gin and the yeah. whiskey make you blind? Well, and the, the government put out bad whiskey to enforce prohibition. prohibition. Okay, so there was a plot conceived... There was a plot afoot. But over, you could go to Walgreens and get the good kind. Mm-hmm. Over a round of drinks. One afternoon in July of 1932, friends were gathered at Marino's Speakeasy in New York City. The Speakeasy boss, Tony Marino, if there ever was a gangster's name, that is it. What if there's in relation to Dan Marino? Probably. And well, several Tony of Montana. his friends were playing an idle game of Pinochle, drinking some bootleg whiskey. Uh, all of them were worried over money and the Depression's hard times. Pinochle's a card game that has a lot of fucking cards, and yeah. it's very confusing and convoluted. Did you, Colonel, when you was a kid, did you ever play Flip Knuckle? Yeah, we played uh, Flip Knuckle It's a card game. If you lose, you'd have to. The, the, yeah. the winner would take the cards and hit your knuckles with them. Oh no, we used to not take the cards. We used to use our hands and uh, hit the knuckles. Oh with yeah, people. we used to take take the cards and. I mean, you could you <laughs> if you lost more than a couple hands, your your whole hand would swell up. Yeah, you no, we would. Hit, we would hit bang on our knuckles with our own. You ever play fist. strip solitaire? You ever play? <laughs> yeah, I have. Actually. You ever play two for flinching? <clears throat> well, play it now. What is it? Two for flinching. No. Really? No. no what is it? it is. You seriously never done this? No. All right. Wait, wait a minute. The people cannot see this. Okay. Well, hold on. All right. So Brandy's putting so her hold hands your out. Hand out. No, hold your hands out just like that. Oh. Oh, and then she. Two for flinching. She hits him for blinking. Okay, that's a really fascinating <laughs> she, game. She just, she just I did an excellent. She didn't I did, actually punch you in the face. face. I did. Well, How I have just you never gotten two for flinching? I, I want to point out I did an excellent play-by-play. <laughs> yeah. I, like I, I, like I, like I sound like Howard Corsell. No, I sound like Marv Albert. Marv Albert, please don't bite me. <laughs> <laughs> or Chuck. I, yeah, tie, tie me up and bite me, Timmy. <laughs> God. Okay. So back to Michael Malloy. So you saw, they were all worried about the profession. You're gonna bruise. I know. I got that old man skin. I know. You're gonna bruise. Your arm might fall <laughs> Put off. Put some of that uh, body butter on it. Well, I got some plans. All for right. Body butter. So all these dipshits are sitting around chit chatting. 
there was 27-year-old uh, Anthony Marino, proprietor of Marino Speakeasy, and a snappy dresser. Oh. I don't know why that's in there, but... <laughs> I, I want to pay a picture. <laughs> There's 28-year-old Joseph Murphy, a one-time chemist who was now Marino's bartender. There was 24-year-old Francis Pesqua, a newlywed and an undertaker who owned a funeral parlor on East 107th Street. All right. Businessman. There, there was Hershey, or Harry, Green, a taxi cab driver. And there was 29-year-old Daniel Kreisberg, the father of three and a fruit vendor. Now, oh. see, that, that sounds... Kreisberg. Now, doesn't that sound like a contradictory name? Because it sounds Jewish, but if you had Jewish... Not Kreisberg, Christ. Oh, never mind. Okay. All of them had many problems, and with the Great Depression in full swing, they were short on solutions. If only one of them had a wealthy relative, or barring that, a sick one with a good insurance policy. You know, haven't we all sat around and had those conversations, <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah. Uh, the right kind of, de of dead family member would come, re come in really handy right now. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, too bad none of them had any expendable relatives. But perhaps, Marino suggested, they could create one. Someone no one would miss, someone hardly worth keeping alive anyway. These are, these are some humanitarians right here. <laughs> yeah. This clearly was a Mensa meeting. <laughs> this is like, like the show well, you know. in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this guy's Charlie. <laughs> right. All right. So, F Francis Pasqua, Daniel Kreisberg, and Tony Marino sat in the speakeasy and raised their glasses, sealing their com their complicity, figuring the job was already half finished. So evidently they'd settled on Michael Malloy at some point during yeah. this conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how difficult could it be to push Michael Malloy to drink himself to death? Yeah. Every morning the old man showed up at Marino's place in the Bronx and requested another morning's morning, if you don't mind. In a drunken stupor, hours later he would pass out on the floor. Yes. For a while, Marino let Malloy drink on credit, but he could no longer pay his tabs. Business, the salon keeper confided to Pesqua and Kreisberg, is bad. Pesqua, the 24-year-old undertaker by trade, eyed Malloy's sloping figure, the glass of whiskey hoisted to his slack mouth. No one knew much about him. I like that. Turn of phrase. Slack jaw. He was yeah. a slack jaw? He's a slack jaw drunk, evidently. <laughs> No one knew much about him, not even, it seemed, Malloy himself, other than that he'd come from Ireland. So Malloy didn't seem to know much about himself. <laughs> He's never talked about himself. Well, he had no friends, no family, no definitive birthday. They guessed him about 60. No apparent trade or vocation beyond the occasional odd job sweeping alleys or collecting garbage, and happy to be paid in alcohol instead of money. Well, aren't we all? Yes. Why don't you take out insurance on Malloy, Pasqua asked Marina that day. I can take care of the rest. I've always said we should have undertaker friends. I've yeah. always said that. Yeah. You can't have too many undertaker no. friends. I don't think so. Marino paused. Pasqua knew he'd pull off he knew he'd pulled off such a scheme once before. The prior year, Marino, twenty seven, had befriended a homeless woman named Maybelle Carson and convinced her to take out a $2,000 life insurance policy, naming him as the beneficiary. Yeah, why would you do that, Colonel? I mean, if someone asks you to uh, name, you know, that they want to take out a life insurance, wouldn't that raise a red flag for you? 
Mm, I don't know. The devil asked me the other day to sign oh. some papers. I'm not really sure what I was signing. Those are fine. Okay. Yeah, don't worry those about are good. It. You don't I think about those podcasts. Don't think, right? it don't think another thing about it. Insurance at work. I think. Yeah. I don't don't think another thing about it. Uh, let's see. So, so he's got this woman that she he convinces her to take out two thousand dollar life insurance policy. Then one frigid night, he force fed her alcohol, stripped off her clothing, doused the sheets and the mattress with ice water, Ooh. and then pushed the bed beneath an open window. So I take it she was passed out, and mm-hmm. he just put her on it. That's so mean. The medical examiner listed the cause of death as bronchial pneumonia, and Marino collected the money without incident. Marino nodded and motioned to Malloy. He looks all in. He ain't got much longer to go anyhow. The stuff's <laughs> getting him. Well, we knew he, he was, was probably going to die any time. Yeah. He might he looks, as well. Look, look at Chuck. He's all in. <laughs> He's all in. He's already signed the paperwork. Look I'm at, not, look at it. Drinking a hooch. Go ahead. You think you're not, but okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So he and Pesquag glanced over at Daniel Kreisberg. The 29-year-old grocer and father of three would later say he participated for the sake of his family. He nodded, and the gang set in motion a macabre chain of events that would earn Michael Malloy cult immortality by proving him nearly immortal. <laughs> it took... Pesqua five months, sorry. It took Pesqua five months and a connection with an unscrupulous agent to secure three policies, all offering double indemnity on Michael Malloy's life, two through Prudential Life Insurance Company and one with Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. They're still around. Mm-hmm. Pesqua tried to buy three th- tried to buy a three thousand dollar policy on Malloy that named the undertaker's beneficiary, but Metropolitan Life turned him down because he wasn't kin to him. So he recruited Joseph Murphy, a bartender at Marino's, to pose as Malloy's brother. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and the men took out an $800 policy from MetLife and two others for $494 each from Prudential. If all went as planned, Pasqua and his cohorts would spend would split $1,294. Ah. That's about thirty-six thousand dollars in today's dollars. Yeah, that would be bad. That would be a bad haul. After well, he ain't got no job and it's the depression. Ain't got no job. Ain't got, you ain't no got job. shit to do. Ain't got no. I don't think you're looking for a job. <laughs> you just sit around standing on, on the corners, I you leaning on the up against the post. But I was tired. All right. So. This <laughs> is the best song ever. I hate that song. Uh, the murder trust, as the press would call them, clearly, brain trust, murder yeah. trust. Yeah, I don't think the brain trust had been appropriate. Uh, now included a few other Marino's regulars, including petty criminals John McNally and Edward Tenier Smith. <laughs> Tenier Smith. Well, he was called that because he had an artificial ear that was made of wax. <laughs> that was made of wax, not tin. So why wouldn't you call him wax ear? Whatever. How would you keep it on? Well, in the summertime, wouldn't it melt? <laughs> You'd think you can't get too close to a flame. I so and would it, you get earwax in a, in a waxy ear? Here's the other thing. I don't want no wax penis. That's what I don't want to have. Well, here's That's the thing, fucked though. up. That you they're bringing it's every, like a candle. They're bringing every swinging dick that comes in that bar. They're yeah, putting they're, them all yeah. in on this. Yeah. So now they're going to have to split this $1,300. Like, <laughs> they're going to have each get five boxes. Yeah. <laughs> $3.58. Jesus, God. So good old Ten Ear was in it. <clears throat> Tough Tony Bastone and his slavish sidekick, Joseph <laughs> Maglioni. 
You like the verbiage I use. I was going to say, you, 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 you did all, you, I, I, I can put picture him in my mind, this slobbish psychic, <laughs> like Jabba the Hutt in a suit. Seriously. <laughs> so one night. I, I, I'm free with the adjectives. <laughs> you're free with so much. <laughs> one night, December 1932, they all gathered at the speakeasy to commence the killing of Michael Malloy. To Michael's undisguised delight, Tony Marino <laughs> granted him an open tab, saying competition from other rule, other saloons had forced him to ease the rules. Yeah, we got a lot, we, we, a lot of competition, so we're gonna get yeah, we're gonna get free drinks. <laughs> and he just went with it. I mean, you know, you don't. You it don't, doesn't seem like it's a good idea, but yeah, but you know what? You don't take you don't like look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, that's true. So no sooner did Michael down a shot than Marino refilled his glass. Malloy had been a hard drinker all his life, one waitress said, and he just kept on drinking on and on. Michael drank until Michael drank until Marino's arm tired from holding the bottle. (laughs) Remarkably, his his breathing remained steady, and his skin retained its normal ruddy bruised (laughs) normally ruddy tinge. Mm. Ruddy. 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 <laughs> but you know what ruddy means. Tim's right? turning into Poe over here. Oh, I, I know. He's a fucking he's turn of phrase. Like, I'm yeah. telling you. Walt fucking Whitman sitting yeah, over there. Like, Finally, he dra- he dragged a grungy sleeve across his mouth, thanks to, thanks to his host for the hospitality, and said he'd be back soon. And within 24 hours, he was. <laughs> Fucking open tab. <laughs> he brought a friend. For three days he did this. It's open bar. I mean, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Why would you go home, really? For three days he did this, pausing only long enough to eat the ever complimentary sardine sandwich. <laughs> yeah. You ever had your sardine sandwich? Oh, oh I'll tell no. you what, man. His breath must not have been horrible. <laughs> I, so Marino and his accomplices were at a loss. Now, you know, we, what the we, fuck? We just spent a little time talking about, you know, the, the problems of decaying vagina. All right. But just a quick thought, Devil. What do you think his nutsack was? Oh. <laughs> God. Ugh. All right. So, so this guy and all his accomplices, they're just, they're flabbergasted. Maybe they hoped. Michael would choke on his own vomit <laughs> or fall down and slam his head. That well, happens. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. Yeah. I can mom, fucking mama cask and die from a ham sandwich. Ham sandwich. You know, I've, I've wished that a couple times. I just wish they'd choke on her own vomit. <laughs> but on the fourth day, Malloy stumbled into the bar. <laughs> Boy, he exclaimed, nodding at Marino, ain't I got a thirst. <laughs> No, in the meantime, in the meantime, this fucker's giving him all these free fucking drinks and going in the hole. He's not going to get shit with his $32 that he's going to end up with. He's not going to be able to bail himself out. All right. Mm. Uh, a lot of competition. So. Tough Tony grew impatient. Yeah, he does I that. I can't understand that. Suggesting someone just shoot him in the head. <laughs> Uh, let's see. But Murphy... Hey, I got a better idea. Instead of giving free drinks, they're going to shoot the motherfucker in the head. Yes, shoot him. Nobody will suspect a thing. Uh, Murphy recommended a more subtle solution. Let's exchange Mallory's whiskey and gin with shots of wood alcohol. Ooh, Ooh. that's some nasty shit right there. Well, the question is, is he really going to (laughs) notice? Yeah, that's true. 
Uh, let's see. So drinks containing just four percent wood alcohol can cause blindness. <laughs> as, it's as, like mass as, excessive as, masturbation. Yeah, as can many things. Uh, let's see. And by 1929, more than 50,000 people nationwide had died from the effects of impure alcohol. The During, devil's brew. So they wouldn't, I mean, no one would have suspected anything. Right. I mean. During Prohibition, the U.S. government discouraged drinking bootleg liquor by contaminating the alcohol supply, killing thousands of people. <laughs> That's pretty fucked up, man. Oh, yeah. Well, the, what? Wait a minute. So if it's bootleg, how does the... How does the government even no, have anything no, they, to do they with put, it? They put it in circulation so that it yeah. discouraged people from buying bootleg whiskey. And, and people would buy it and drink it and they'd die. Jesus. They thought they were getting bootleg, but they were getting government alcohol that was poison. Yeah. Should Malloy die of bad alcohol, he'd just be one of thousands and his death would not arouse any suspicion. The crew would serve Malloy not shots tainted with wood alcohol. But, tainted. Yeah. But, but wood alcohol straight up. <laughs> <laughs> Wood alcohol. Tony said, "Ray putting on my, more of my good <laughs> shit, my top shelf shit in here." Shaken, not stirred. Marino thought it was a brilliant plan, <laughs> declaring he would give all of the drink he wanted and let him drink himself to death. He getting none of the top shelf shit anymore. Kreisberg allowed a rare display of enthusiasm. What a fucking bootlick. This, this motherfucker here, like the little yappy chihuahua. Yeah, 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 like yeah, 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 <laughs> Fucker. So the gang watched as Michael downed several shots and kept asking for more, displaying no physical symptoms <laughs> other than those of typical inebriation. Well, he's Irish, you stupid mm, fucks. Yeah. Uh, he didn't know that what he was drinking was wood alcohol, and what he didn't know apparently didn't hurt him. He drank all the wood alcohol <laughs> he was given and came back for more. Night after night, the scene repeated itself. With Michael drinking shots of wood alcohol as fast as Murphy poured them, <laughs> until the night he crumpled to the floor without warning. Oh. The gang fell silent. Woohoo! Staring at the jumbled heap by their feet. Francis Pesqua knelt by Malloy's body, feeling the neck for a pulse, lowering his ear to the mouth. Ugh. That's a little too close. <laughs> yeah, Especially yeah. if someone had been eating this uh, sardine, sardine sandwich. Well, they gotta feed him. This is crazy. <laughs> They couldn't get to a white castle. Uh, the man's breath was slow and labored. They decided to wait, watching the sluggish rise and fall of his chest any minute yeah, now. So he's like in hospice right now. Finally, there was a long, jagged breath. Could it be a death rattle? But then Malloy began to snore. <laughs> <laughs> he awakened some hours later, rubbed his eyes, and said, Give me a, the, the regular, the old regular, me lad. <laughs> no. So. Now, this plot to kill Michael, it was becoming cost prohibitive. I would think. And <laughs> yeah, they got to pay the premiums on these fucking insurance Well, bosses. you had the open bar tab, you had the cans of wood alcohol, and the monthly insurance premiums. This no, was that's all. That's not even mentioned the sardine sandwiches. Oh. Well, we're getting to that, too. <laughs> Shit ain't free. Uh -uh. Marino was afraid, afraid to speak easy, was about to go bankrupt. So tough Tony advocated using brute force. Still wanting to shoot him in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boss. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Pascal had another idea. Michael Malloy had a well-known taste for seafood. Mm. Clearly, sardines. He's Irish. Why not drink, drop some oysters Ooh. and denatured alcohol, oh. let them soak for a few days, serve them while Malloy imbibed. Oh. The idea apparently came from Pasquale, who saw a man die after eating oysters with whiskey. Yeah. Alcohol taking during a meal of oysters, Pasquale was quoted as saying, will almost invariably cause acute indigestion or the oysters tender remain preserved. It's going to cause him indigestion? Who the fuck well, cares? It's cause you alcohol poisoning. As planned, Malloy ate them one by one, savoring each bite, and washed them down with wood alcohol. <laughs> Marino, Pasqua, and the rest played pinochle and waited, but Malloy merely licked his fingers and belched. <laughs> You know what? That is a gentleman. <laughs> now, at this point... <laughs> some good damn oysters there. You, you know at that's this right. point, killing him was a point of pride as much as payoff. <laughs> now they're just pissed. A payoff they all griped would have to be split among too many co-conspirators. Exactly. Now, Murphy had another plan. He let a tin of sardines rot for several days. Oh, my God. Mixed in some shrapnel... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Slathered the concoction between pieces of bread and served Malloy the sandwich. Any minute he thought the metal would start slashing through his organs. But instead, Malloy finished his sandwich and asked for another. The gang called an emergency well, good. <laughs> conference. Can they, I have another one? Please? They did not know what to make of the Rasputin oh. of the Bronx. <laughs> And uh, along with that sardine uh, <laughs> yeah. shrapnel uh, sandwich, can I have another glass of that with yeah. alcohol? <laughs> you got more oysters back there. <laughs> now, Marino recalled his success with Mabel, Mabel mm -hmm. Carlson and suggested they ice Malloy down and leave his ass outside overnight. So it was January 15th in 33. The temperature in New York City was a frigid 12 degrees. Fridge, I like the way you had oh, that. Yeah. That's about it like good. it is today. Yeah. That evening after Malloy had once again passed out from drinking wood alcohol, Marino <laughs> and Pasqua tossed Malloy into the back seat of his road Pasqua's roadster. Oh they Pasqua was a sharp dresser and he had a roadster. He had a roadster. You know he was getting some tail. Wow. That's well, what ZZ Top song is based on this deck, <laughs> this guy. So they drove him to Cretona Park and lugged the unconscious man through heaps of snow. After depositing him on a park bench, they stripped off his shirt and dumped Ooh. bottles of water on his chest and head. Jesus oh, Christ. man, that's just cold. Malloy never stirred. When Marino arrived at his speakeasy the following day, he found Malloy's half-frozen form in the basement. <laughs> Somehow, Malloy had trekked the half-mile back... <laughs> And persuaded Murphy to let him in. And he's naked? <laughs> he just was missing his shirt. Jesus. When he came, when he came to, he complained of a wee chill. <laughs> That's a wee chill out there. February neared, another insurance payment was due. One of the gang, John McNally, wanted to run Malloy over with a car. Tinia Smith was skeptical, skeptical, but Marino, Pasquale, Murphy, and and Kreisberg were intrigued. <laughs> like, let's step this thing up a little bit. John well, Magnalone offered to. the services of a cab driver friend named Harry Green, whose cut from the insurance money would total $150. Mm -hmm. 
They totaled into Green ca- Green's cab, a drunken Malloy strewn across their feet. Green drove a few blocks and stopped. Bastone and Murphy dragged Malloy down the road, holding him up crucifixion style by his outstretched arms. Green gunned the engine. Everybody braced. From the corner of his eye, Magdalene saw a quick flash of light. Stop, he yelled. The cab lurched to a halt. Green determined that it had just been a woman turning the light on in a room, and he prepared for another go. Malloy managed to leap out of the way not once, but twice. (laughs) (laughs) On the third attempt, Green raced toward Malloy at 50 miles an hour. Magdalene watched through splayed fingers. With every second, Malloy loomed larger through the windshield. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Two thuds, one loud, one soft. The body against the hood and then dropping to the ground. For good measure, Green backed up over him again and again. (laughs) The gang was confident Malloy was dead, but a passing car scared them from the scene before they could confirm. It fell to Joseph Murphy, who had been cast as Malloy's brother, to call morgues and hospitals in an attempt to locate his missing sibling. No one had any information, nor were there any reports of fatal accidents in the newspaper. Five days later, as Pasqua plotted to kill another anonymous drunk. Good Lord. Any anonymous They're like drunk. like fucking assassins. Well, they were going to kill any anonymous drunk and pass him off as Michael Malloy. They lost Malloy at this point. <laughs> like, yeah, that fucking guy's Iron Man. He's not going anywhere. The door to Marino's speakeasy swung open and then limped a battered, bandaged Michael Malloy, only looking slightly worse than usual. His greeting, I am sure dying for a drink. <laughs> You know what? Does he know? It's, does he know these guys are running no, him over? Does no. he just think this is just random shit? I don't think he. I don't think he's. He, had guys a story. Had, he hasn't had the best luck in the world. I know. He, he had a story to tell. What he could remember of it. There you go. He recalled the taste of whiskey, the cold slap of night air, the glare of rushing lights, then blackness. <laughs> Next thing he knew, he woke up in a warm bed at Fordham Hospital and wanted only to get back to the bar. On February 21st, seven months after the murder trust first convened, Michael Malloy finally died in a tenement near 168th Street, less than a mile from Marino's Speakeasy. Jesus. A rubber tube ran from a gaslight fixture to his mouth and a towel was wrapped tightly around his face. He would become known as Iron Mike and Mike the Instructable, Michael, who would become known as Iron Mike and Mike the Indestructible, was finally dead at the age of 59. He died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Ah, so they finally got him. On his person, they found a change purse with 78 cents and in his vest pocket, a broken pocket watch with a picture of his beautiful Kathleen. Dr. Frank Manzella, a friend of Pasquas, filed a phony death certificate citing lobar pneumonia as the cause. The gang received... Oh, yeah, it had nothing to do with the carbon monoxide. No, yeah. nothing. The gang it's received the only $800 from Metropolitan Life. Well, fuck yeah. Murphy and Marino each spent their share on a new suit. Pasqua <laughs> arrived at the Prudential <laughs> office confident he would collect the money. Um from the other two policies, but the agent surprised him with a question. 
When can I see the body? Nope. Pasqua said Uh-oh. he'd already been buried. An investigation ensued. Everyone began talking and eventually faced charges. Both the cab driver Harry Green and Frank Manzella made deals and testified for the prosecution. Joseph Murphy, Tony Marino, Daniel Kreisberg, and Frank Pasqua were all tried and convicted of first-degree murder. They were sent to death row at Sing Sing to await execution. All four men died in Old Sparky in the summer of 1934. They killed each of them on the very first try, Timmy. <laughs> Didn't take them very long. A journalist wrote for the now-defunct New York Daily Mirror, reported that executions went off without a hitch and God's president then drank a toast to the nearly indestructible Michael Malloy. Michael Malloy is buried this day at Ferncliff Cemetery and Mausoleum in Westchester, New York, Timmy. Very good. And Brandy, what's your final thoughts on the indestructible Michael Malloy? should have just left him fucking alone. My God. Poor guy. He had a rough life. Well, he did, and those guys... That's just awful. I don't know that he thought it was all that rough, Timmy. Yeah, he got some free sardines. Well, and he's he thinking he's on alcohol. oysters. Well, and, and he's thinking these guys are like his friends, his drinking buddies or whatever, and the whole time they're like, oh, well, let's slip some rat poison into yeah. a sardine sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Well, that didn't let's work. Let's we got here. Let's go, let's, let's go for some glass shards in his, you yeah. know, whatever. Those guys really weren't the, uh, they, they weren't the sharpest tools in the shed. I think. What's your final thoughts, Colonel, on Michael Malloy, the Iron Mike? You, you know what? You need, you need to pick a Frenchman. Don't try to get, pick an Irishman to do that, too, because you can yeah. run them over with cars. You can they beat them down. Die. They always, if there's whiskey involved, Timmy, they're always going to make their way back to the bar. All right. Hey, you got some shout-outs for us, uh, Colonel? I do, Timmy. Lay them on. I got a bunch. Of course, we got Tasha and Ophelia. Um, hello, Jeff Girdley and Sam Hildebrand, Jennifer and Linda, Missy Dean Horton, Britt and Chris, Celine, Jeff Chestnut, and Don, Teresa Slavin, Tommy Boomershine, Chanda and Larry, the Trowbridges, Colton, Phyllis Munson, hello, Aaron Wentz, Donna Curran, Brian and Lisa Lawton, Olivia Meyer, the lovely Katja. Very lovely Katja. Kate. The very lovely Kate. Bridget. The lovely Bridget. Um, the not-so-lovely Byron Snellings and Denny Mac. Well, but they're good guys. By they're the way, last guys. time you called Denny McNamara, Denny McFarland, by the way. Again? Uh-huh. Did I again? Yeah, you screwed it up again. God, I got to get that right. Uh, Denny, we're, uh, I haven't forgot your uh, request, so we're working on it. William Truax, Amber Crook, Gina Spillane and Trixie, Stephanie Quick. Sydney Michael, Jamie Tarantino, Laura. Uh, Jamie Tarantino is not a monkey smoking a cigarette. No, she's and a lovely lady. We we were uh, this past weekend of, uh, on our Facebook page, History Dweebs, the podcast. We asked people to post photos of their uh, senior year in high school, and everyone did. And Jamie didn't. She was she's very lovely, very stunning young lady. Yeah, not our, a monkey with a cigarette. She no. is not a monkey. She doesn't even own she a cowboy hat. A, she doesn't oh. even smoke. That's false advertising. Uh, she does not even smoke. It's false monkey. advertising. Yeah, she's well, a fraud. Uh, <laughs> no, she's a very lovely person. Thank mm-hmm. you, Jamie. And uh, if, um, all of the folks that we talk about, mention here, shout, give shout-outs to, are active on our Facebook page. And we invite you to join us at uh, History Dweebs, the podcast on Facebook. Uh, it's a lot of fun. 
And, uh, Colonel, before you go on, I want to give a special shout-out to uh, Joe Hopkins, who uh, gave us a very nice review. I was about to yes, get to Joe Hopkins. very sweet. He uh, doesn't let you. He needs. He is the epitome of instant gratification. Yes. Uh, Joe posted a very, very nice review for us on iTunes. He's not going to let you get to what you want. We really oh, appreciate that, won't. Joe. And, yeah. I mean, he's on Team Brandy, I think. He is. Yes. So. But that's okay. He still deserves recognition. Thank you, Joe, very, very much. Uh, if all of you who listen to us on iTunes, if you could leave us a review, we would really appreciate it. It's, it's how other people find us. And I also oh, want to just move my mic. I'm sorry. I also want to thank Scott. I'm getting an echo, Colonel. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to thank Scott and uh, Mary Ray. They um, mentioned us on um, the, the Facebook page podcast we listen to, and that always brings us in new listeners. So thank you very much, Mary Ray and Scott. All right, continue. Uh, of course, that was offset by the other two people who mentioned us during that podcast, well, during that thread. No, that's that. It was very nice of them to do that, and we appreciate it. Um, Laura O'Reilly, Gabby Lewis, John Cunningham, Tara. Bond. Gene Bond. Lydia. Brandy McBride. Uh, Brandy McBride put on my set on my picture. What happened, Colonel? Oh, on your from your high school year? Yeah. Been yeah. Four, I'll tell you what happened. Four kids but sucked the life out of you in 35 years. But your date, your date was very handsome. I much I must tell you that. Well, I'm glad you appreciate my taste in Who goes to a Brandy? Seriously. What guy goes to a prom and gets a picture taken with another guy? Dude. We was leaving my house and my mom I mean, wanted unless, a picture. And, and unless it's your lifestyle, you? which is fine, Colonel. We have not passing judgment. <laughs> if it's your lifestyle, that's it fine. It does seem like you are passing judgment, Timmy. <laughs> um, Lydia, Brandy McBride, Maggie Glover, Jeff Appel, Christine. Bourgeois. Katie Moorhead. Hey, Katie. Mary Ray. Thank you very again, Mary Ray, for your kind comments. Marvin and Aunt Marvin Hammond. Marvin, post a picture of him and his mother. His lovely mother. Beautiful yeah, woman. I wonder if she's on Facebook. I don't, <laughs> don't creep her, please. But <laughs> she is. She she looks. Uh, a beautiful woman. She looks as young as he is. Yeah. Um, Cheryl Musco. Yes, I like Cheryl. She's fun. Keith Frosty, Becky Mitchell, Angie Drake. And I think uh, Angie Drake's birthday is today. Happy it birthday, is. No. Angie Drake. It is. It's Angie's birthday today. Why? Can I sing? No. Happy birthday, Angie. Um, you won't let me sing. Steve Miller. I fly like you. Nicholas Starr. I'm sure he loves that. Natasha Davis, sorry, Neil so Eggleton. Sorry, Steve. Um, let's see. Joe Hopkins, of course. Thank you, Joe. Sabrina Whitener, new to the group. Mike Hi, Sabrina. Rawson. Rosen, new to the group. Yes, Mike, uh, welcome to the group. These are all new to the group until I stop saying they're new to the group. Beth Wallen. Hey, Beth. Josh King. Hey, Josh. Brett Wilkins. Chris Uh, Lane. Brett is friends with uh, Cheryl. Oh, okay. And you say Chris Lane? Chris Lane, Megan McKee, Frank Daniels, Jade Burnett. Hey, Jay. Um, Welcome. Let's see. Welcome. Rebecca Montanley, Mike Eisenhower, Danielle Fredrickson, Andy Sparacho, Toby Deese, Nancy, your your Nancy Jalapeno Papa, your your Chiefs are still in the playoffs because they had a bye, but I believe they're going down to the Steelers this week. Timmy, what do you? Oh, think? I hope not. I'm go Chiefs. I'm rooting for the Chiefs, but I don't like. I just the Steelers worry me. 
Kim Kamikaze Kazmersky, Jennifer Hawkins, Tara Chinchilla, Lindsay McMillan, Sonyana Adanki, Eddie Rushing, Yo Handler, Sammy James, Jason Dykes, Amy Carol Payne, Tara Jenkins, um, Colleen Madison, Alan Dobbs, George Huckler, Kelsey Fro, Peter Formal, Amber Anderson, Daniel Fredrickson, Christine Dor Christian, I'm sorry, Dorma, Little Emmy Waterfall, <clears throat> Susan Angles, Christine da Davidson, Don Gordon, John Gray, Dave Hill, Thomas Tui, TJ Youngblood, Blood, um, the lovely Robin Sanchez, and the sweet, 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 sweet Annette Petray. Lovely Annette. <clears throat> and lovely. Mm -hmm. Steph Glenn, Christina Hodges, Christina Montana. We know she's very sweet. She is very sweet. Mm -hmm. By her house and, well. Marie, Maria Barber, Jennifer Potts, Cindy Overstreet Hamilton, who had another lovely picture in her senior pictures. Did you mm -hmm. see that? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul, <clears throat> Paul Mampilli, Mike Arnold, Brittany Powell, Heather Hall, Heather Poole, and Daza, Jeff Hopkins. We got Jeff and Joe Hopkins on there. John Janke, Mike Tabor, Lease, Kevin Behan, Carol Nash, Terrell Helmsley, Heather Marshall, Maddie Kennan, Amelia Roscoe, Mike Daniel, Jim Moyer, Jessica Bishop, Liz Evans, Brenda Deutsch, Stacy Lynn, Jeff Dolan, Miriam Buckwald, Jennifer Winans Miller, Susan Sheldon, Skip Fayou, uh, Little Callie Jones, Brandy Willis Deese, Andy Smizer, Norma DiMaggio, Karen Alden, Angie L., Amber Trevino, Carla Nelson, Jessica Winchester, Anita Darden, Leitz, Nancy Weller, Christian Anderson, Valerie Murray, of course, Tammy Ennis. Um, let's see. Then we got the Colonel's crew. Hey, did you give a shout-out to Carlene Madison? Carlene put Madison. Mm, put her on her. Yeah, I got Carlene okay. Madison. Okay. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. And Kelsey Fro. So. I don't doubt you. I sit over here and let you do your thing. He's. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, we got the Colonel's crew. Um, the lovely redheaded Angie Ball, who uh, threatened me the other day. Uh, Sarah Mimosa, Jennifer Burdock, Karen Barnes, Janet Fitzgerald. Congratulations, Janet. She just got her books, and she's starting back to school. Yes, Yay. good luck with that, Janet. Uh, Lovely Fra lady. Francis Thornton. Beautiful Francis Thornton. Beautiful Francis. Beautiful Irish last Yeah, she, she, she relates Irish to this last. story. She probably knows how to pronounce that county there. You know what? I bet you couldn't. I bet you could run Francis over. If they, you you loaded her up with whiskey, you could run Francis over with her. And, so, and gave her, you, her if you gave Francis an open tab at the, t at the pub. Uh-huh. You couldn't do nothing to her. She'd show up at that pub every day. Maybe so. Jessica Williams. Amanda Bocci Ball. We got, of course, Shannon Rossett, Tiffany, Monica, uh, Scotty J, Angela Cobes, Radika Smith, Liz Keating, and uh, mascot for the Colonel Crew. 
Who's that? The lovely Lil Fallon. The beautiful Lil Fallon. She, uh, not little, but beautiful Fallon. She posted a photo of her high school years. She's mm -hmm. very lovely. Well, she's, I think Fallon's only about five foot tall, and she's only 23 years old. So that's a little Fallon. Um, and we got um, the three most dangerous women you're ever going to run into. Um, Nicola. Nicola Reed, your... Uh, solicitor. Yeah. My barrister. Mm -hmm. Allie. Now, you know what? I'll tell you what. You give Allie... If Allie would have had an insurance policy on this guy, mm -hmm. he'd have lasted about five minutes. She's probably taking one out on you. You know, Allie, she might. Uh, Allie used to be a cop. Mm -hmm. She used to be a cop, and she said her for when she was a rookie, one of the first things she did is had to clean up a guy who jumped in front of a train. I've seen that. Yeah. That's no good. No. I've seen that. But uh, does, it does it take more than a hose to do that? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Pressure I washer, I guess. I mean, it's disgusting. But, uh, yeah, if, if Ali would have been in this, this guy would have lasted about five oh, minutes. It yeah. wouldn't have been a long story. Um, and then, of course, Charlie. Charlie from the Insight Podcast. Allie and Charlie, both from the Insight Podcast. Allie and Charlie from the Insight Podcast, and Charlie with her uh, her lovely brood of children. Yes, she's got a very interesting crew because yes. they're all they're all doing something different. Now yes. have different. It's always interesting to hear what she's got going on with her family. Mm -hmm. So that's what I got for you, Timmy. All right. Devil, where can people find us at? You got too much. I would pot. like you to say. And I know, but I'm saving them for it last. Now, do it Just now. Do okay, it. Lady Beverly. Of course, you know we never do without you. Who also, who also posted a picture of the beautiful, 80s. But she's a beautiful woman she, now. She is. She a looked woman. like a young Helen Mirren. No shit. Yeah, she's she, her she eyes good. were yes. very beautiful. I mean, she's beautiful. She is beautiful. Everything is She's still beautiful. Her eyes were great. Yes. Yes. And Easy. when you talk about beauty, when you talk about beauty, she and I believe she could still All right, get on walk with down now and win one of Donald's Mrs. Universe contests. Yeah, probably. We got the lovely Dottie Scott. Yes, thank you, Mom. Brandy. She's beautiful. Dottie Scott, beautiful, beautiful lady. Stunning one. Lovely. And, and a heart, I mean, a heart just as big as you're ever going to find she on. She doesn't like Tim so much. Well, Tim tries to kill her all the time. All the time. You know, Tim calls her the indestructible Dottie Scott. I bet. <laughs> he tried to push it down, break yeah. her ankle, whatever. How, bring, many, how many I'll, times maybe you I'll tried to kill Dottie? Some, maybe I'll bring her some sardine sandwiches this evening. Brandy, <laughs> where can people find us? Well, you can find us on Facebook. Yeah, we have two pages, History Dweebs, and then we have History Dweebs, the podcast. And that's where we interact with all the, uh, the listeners. So it's a fun group. So please join us, History Dweebs, the podcast. Twitter. Twitter. You can find us, follow us at History Dweebs One. Uh, or you can follow the Colonel, I don't, although I don't think he tweets very much, at Hawk Waters. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Yes. Please leave us a review, uh, a nice review like uh, the one that Joe left us would be much, much appreciated. It allows folks to find us. Uh, and then uh, Stitcher and Libsyn and Podcast yep. Garden. And uh, we're all over the place. We're more popular than Captain Kangaroo. Sure. Uh, okay, Brandy, any final thoughts before we get out of here? I have none. All right. Thank you all for joining us. And we'll see you again next time on History Dweebs. Bye-bye. Good day, listeners. Bye, everyone. Bye. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.